evening, everyone. Welcome to episode number 16 of Half Ashed. That fine-looking gentleman on the other side of the glass for me is my good friend Kip Fisher. And I am, of course, the rambling yet enthusiastic Craig Schneider. We're happy to uh, have you here tonight and happy to have you for another episode of Half Ashed, which we just think might just be uh, the best darn cigar podcast out in the uh, the interweb these days. So... Thanks for joining us tonight. We got a good show, and uh, it is absolutely uh, uh, cemented in that position by a lovely cigar tonight, the EP Carrillo Short Run from 2011 that uh, my good friend has offered us. So I guess I should give that good friend an opportunity to talk, and so I will do that right now. How are you, my man? I'm doing well, and if we're not the best one out there, we're at least one that's lasted 16 weeks without being chased off the air. Yeah, I know. I I'm having family who's telling me I'm doing a good job. So if that's happening, you know it actually can't be terrible because they'd be the first to tell me. Yeah, I'd be the first one to tell you. I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> well, that is true. I guess we would probably both say that. But it's uh, it's been a fun ride, and I'm looking forward to a lot more. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you what, with cigars like this, we... Uh, <laughs> it's kind of impossible to have a bad show when you've got a good muse like this bad boy. Uh, I had talked about how I've, I, I've only, uh, or I think that I had only had these shortly after they've come out, and man, how they've evolved, and man, how I'm enjoying this one. I loved them from the get-go and still do. And I think I mentioned that they, they have, you know, even in just a short two years, they've changed radically, and... You know, you could make comparisons, say they're better or they're not as good, but they're just different and fantastic then and fantastic now. The um, the interesting thing to me is that they're, um, I would say on the first half inch of burning, they're decidedly Dominican flavored to me, um, which is interesting because it's an Ecuadorian Abano wrapper uh, and Nicaraguan binder and partially Nicaraguan filler. But to me, I get that classic, just perfect maple syrup, sweet baking spice core of flavors to this thing that I love. There's a little bit more that's coming out with it. I'm getting kind of a real unique, very distinct, fresh, fruity flavor, like cherry or something. Cherry or maybe strawberry. It doesn't taste stewed or heavy and deep and rich. Like a lot of other fruity flavors, it's it's bright and full, but it's it's berry like to me. Yep, exactly. Bright is the word I usually use, and it's that it is that bright berry like kind of spritzer flavor. Mm. Now the cold the cold draw on these though before lighting, I usually get quite a bit more uh, sweetness without the brightness, uh, a little more of that almost molasses kind of dark sweetness, but that just mm. in- instantly goes away w- when you put fire to it. Mm. Man, I uh, I think I smoked the other one of these. <laughs> okay, confession. I think I smoked the other one of these short runs when you sent all the cigars to me back in January. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've smoked those short runs. I've had those before. I'm good with them. And I don't remember it tasting this good. I don't know if this is just an exceptional option or exceptional version or... Uh, if the last six months have really done these things a lot of uh, a lot of benefit, but this is this is probably the best EP Carrillo thus far that I've had. 
It is definitely my favorite. You know, I, I'm a big E.P. Carrillo fan. I like his stuff. I like the the stuff he makes for uh, crowned heads. But I think if I had to pick one Carrillo cigar that I'm good with from now on, it's this one. And, and it's specifically this year. I am not a huge fan of the, you know, some versions of this, some editions of this. This 2011 has been my favorite so far. So is there, for those those of us who aren't incredibly educated on the EPC stuff, um, is the short-run blend, is that essentially the same core blend that they'll tweak, make slight manipulations to on an annual basis when they're coming out with a different year's short-run? Uh, it, it changes. 2010 and 11 had the same guts, so to speak, with a different wrapper. Uh, 2010 had an, um, uh, the uh, Ecuadoran Sumatran wrapper. And these 2011s had an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. And then uh, this past year, they mixed it up quite a bit. They actually made a concoction from two of their other existing regular production lines, and they used the filler and binder from uh, just the core Maduro, uh, EPC Maduro line out there, and then took the wrapper from their New Wave Connecticut and put on that uh, binder and filler. And uh, like I said, there was nothing wrong with the cigar. It just wasn't something that I was really into as far as, you know, preferred flavor. You know, I did a review for it and, and put basically the same thing. It was a great cigar. It just wasn't my thing uh, in comparison, especially to these uh, 2011s. Hmm. The um, the idea of the short run release, it's, it's unique. I like it. I shouldn't say it's unique. It's of the time. Uh, it's unique to what's, what's commonplace now. And I, uh, I like the fact that someone with as much history in the business like um, Ernie Carrillo is is doing that. I've respected that since it's come out, and um, I visited his factory in 2011 and was just blown away. Um, not so much by the the modernity of it. Modernity is that a word? I think that's a word. Modernity. Modernity. You, you got one too many syllables. Modernity. Okay, now I think you're wrong, but I'm the one who's drinking, so maybe you probably are right. Um, well, you're you're entitled to think whatever you like, but yeah. the modernity of it, um, uh, or as my son says, granola lullabar. Um, you didn't laugh, so I'm assuming that that just died a miserable <laughs> joke death. Anyway, I'm laughing inside. Thank you. That makes me feel much better. Um, I, I was. I was awestruck by the passion um, and the kindness that everyone in his factory that I met had. Um, they all had, they all had, excuse me, um, an ingrained sense of respect. And it wasn't so much for me; it was for what they were doing, as well as it was for me and the other people that that they had met. Um, I was, I had, I've never experienced that in another factory. The fact that. The, the managers, the workers, you know, from the worker bee up to the, the factory manager, they all seemed as if they they had a vested interest in what they were doing. They were proud of it. And yeah, and that that kind of passion is really infectious or contagious, I guess would oh, be a better word. Oh, man, a- absolutely. And I uh, that, that stuck with me. Um, it, it really stuck with me. So I, I'm really... Um, intrigued by the short run cigars, and I'm really so far in lust with this one on this uh, on this occasion. So 
Yeah, you know, back to that that attitude for a second. I see that a fair amount, uh, specifically in the cigar industry, uh, in comparison to something like textile plants or whatever, where it's just something to do. Uh, and and this is just a general rule. Of course, there are exceptions, but for the most part, the the factories and operations I've been in the cigar industry, they take good care of the people that work for them. And those people are appreciative of it. And, and many of them, not all of them, many of them, this is not, they're not the first generation of their family to do that. They, they come from tobacco or cigar backgrounds and, and it's, it's almost a heritage rather than just a job. My, uh, I think it was my, fr- no, it wasn't my first trip to Nicaragua. It's my second trip to Nicaragua. I, uh, I met a friend there who, who owns a, factory or owns co-owns a factory and owns a brand um the brand is elogio or elogio uh and the gentleman's name is Nabil sabah um and so I, I was down there with cigar tourism um a truly exceptional cigar tourism um business basically and uh so we went down there and Nabil took the the people who were down on this trip out to dinner um, Nabil, the owner of uh, Elogio or Elogio. Um and and we noticed as we're all going to dinner that everyone in the factory is walking with us, and we're like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. We realize we get to the restaurant and Nabil de- decided to just buy all of his workers dinner that night and take them all out, and we all just partied and had a good time, and it was just what Nabil was like, yeah, sure. You all can be my guests at dinner too. I'd love to have you, and it was has a pretty cool experience. Um, I love his cigars, and I, I love him as a guy. I've had uh, great conversations with him, and I really think he's a good person. And and that was something that showed to me. And you know, you're right. You see that all the time in the cigar industry. We're really blessed to have that sort of compassion um, abound. But it's uh, it's just another story that's just stuck with me. One of those things. You just you care about people. Yeah, and another one that jumps out at me is uh, Skip Martin, uh, the Roma Craft guys. That that's not just hey, we're going to make cigars, and if we can manage it, we're going to take care of our folks too. That is a a core principle in their business is providing something better for the people that are working in their factory. Mm. It's uh, it's a special thing when you're a business owner and you care. Yep, but this is a cigar show, not a business show. So yeah, but it's still cigar related, and, and you know that that kind of uh, good treatment for the folks that are producing something you want to put on the market translates to a better product. I think I do too. I I've been in both situations in my professional career: one where you're a, essentially a worker bee, and then one when you feel like you got to. Uh, a share of the pie, and you better darn well believe you care a lot more when it feels like it's yours, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But anyways, I uh, I, I want to get back to something entirely more uh, uh, superficial in depth because, you know, we don't need to talk about all this touchy-feely junk. Um, I, I, I thought it was funny that... I, I, I instantaneously had a reaction when you said that the the 2010 version of the short run was wrapped in an Ecuadorian Sumatran wrapper. And so my mind went, you know, Ecuadorian Sumatran, that would be like, oh, I have a Canadian-American cigar wrapper. (laughs) You know, like, 
think about that in another context. I have a French British uh, cigar wrapper. Like, what? What? What are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. I uh, I was just curious. I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you know if that Sumatran leaf is native to Sumatra? I do not know. I'm just taking that strictly from their promotional materials. No, I I know that's where you're getting it from. I just you're a smarter guy than I am. I thought maybe you'd have that answer. Mm-mm. I know nothing. <laughs> Look at Colonel Clink or Sergeant Schultz or whatever. I just hold fire up against these little bundles of leaves and and try to draw something out of them, see what happens. And yeah, you sound so smart. You you breathe uh, burning uh, piece, pieces of dead leaves into your mouth, and you enjoy the experience. Now I wear that. <laughs> well, I uh, I am enjoying this experience very much so far. So much so that I've been yapping too much. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and I have to touch up a segment of this cigar. Ay ay ay. Yeah, and. Just to back to the cigar a little bit, uh, we are smoking the Bombone, which is roughly a Robusto. It's four and seven eighths by fifty, and uh, they, these were available at the time in uh, I think four different sizes. Uh, not, uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. And I, this is just the one I tried early on. I really liked it, stuck with it. I did try the others, but this one was definitely the front runner for me. Um. Oh, doggone it, I was just going to make a comment about that. It was in three sizes, four and seven-eighths by 50. Uh, the Canyon Nazos, which is five and seven-eighths by 52, and the Immensos, which are six and a quarter by 60. I know what I was going to say. Um, in all reality, four and seven-eighths is the true Robusto size. Is the 50 when, ring as well? Yeah, 50 ring by four and seven-eighths. The similar... Um, and often referred to as a Robusto is a Hermoso number four, and that's a um, five by forty-eight. So slightly, uh, slightly longer, slightly thinner, but uh, not technically a Robusto. A Robusto is actually just slighter, slightly less uh, than five inches. Man, that's a topic for a show right there. All the bastardizations of all the original <laughs> Vitola's dimensions. Uh, there's somewhere, it might be in the uh, Encyclopedia of Post-Revolution Havana Cigars by Minran Nee or MRN. Um, I think there's a chart somewhere around that um, the common um, sizes that we all know, Petit Corona, Corona, Lonsdale, Robusto, um, Corona Gorda, Churchill, Double Corona, Pyramid, Bellicoso, or Torpedo Bellicoso, I should say, um, that there's 13 traditional sizes that we would all often recognize. Um, and there is one size that they all should be. And then everything from there is a variation. Um, getting, And I think the point of that was that at one point prior to... Um, Prior to like the the revolution, I believe there was something like 270 or 280 different sizes being manufactured in in Havana, um, and that after that they were grossly uh, reduced down to basically just those 13 main sizes, whatever it was. And I only hit eight or nine of them. So you you left off 
the most important uh, and the newest addition to the line in the Demi Lance. Oh, that's right, the Demi Lance. What am I thinking? Uh, well, there's um, there's quite a bit uh, more additions to that that we would certainly consider to be normal. Um, I, I would not even think that the uh, Lancero is what we would consider to be normal. I believe that was technically just added to regular production in the late '60s, not the not the late '50s, early '60s. That uh, that is the post-revolution or post-embargo. Uh, time frames that you'd want to consider, but that's that's probably even a little too geeky and history based than uh, we want to get onto for the show. But if anybody really is interested, send me a bunch of emails and I'll say, hey, the listeners demanded it. We can get into the whole nine yards of it all. Yeah, and if you send those emails in before the thirty first, you get into the drawing for the giveaway this month. Oh, fantastic tie-in! <laughs> Uh, kudos to you on that one. And, you know, I think last week I said something about that and, and that there were 10 cigars in the giveaway. There's actually a couple other things in there, too. There's, there's 10 just bang-up cigars. They're all great smokes. Um, there's a picture of them over on the Cigar Me. But um, also that little, uh, the smaller Ashton ashtray, ceramic ashtray, and a brilliant Cigar Me coffee mug coming with that, too. And all you got to do is send us an email. Kip at thecigarmy.com or Craig at thecigarmy.com. I thought I had that uh, that same little ceramic ashtray, but mine's a Monte Cristo, I think. I have one right here. That's what I'm using right now. Oh, that's definitely not what I'm thinking. Oh, I've got the large version of that. You no, can... this is the smaller one. It's about uh, seven inches or so across. And you can probably see it. I'll, I'll give a graphic illustration because this is terrific radio. Right at the tip of my finger. That's my full-size version of that Ashton uh, uh, ashtray. But anyways, I digress. Oh, the people that are just listening to the audio were just missing out entirely on that finger. Oh, I know. You can can tell I had to hand-dig trenches to locate pool equipment lines on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I still have soil under my fingers. You know, they make tools for that. Yeah, I know they make tools, but once I hit the lines, I needed to do the rest by hand because there's a gas line buried that was cast iron, and uh, it had been in the ground for 40 years or so. 40 years? Yeah, yeah, since the early God. 70s. And uh, Cast iron gas lines? Yeah, so I didn't really want to... Uh, I didn't really want to puncture that. <laughs> yeah, if you, my cast iron's fairly brittle when you're using heavy equipment. You, and if you knock a chunk out, you're just out of gas, man. You're going to have to cut, make some cuts and paste like you wouldn't believe. Well, yeah, it uh, it's not in my job description to be hand digging for pool equipment lines in a backyard, but sometimes you got to do these things, and I'll just use it as a badge of honor. All the more reason to find another position quickly. <laughs> It's uh, a whole other story. Anyways, I uh, I think we have got some pretty darn good industry news items here that uh, we should probably be getting to. Unless you got anything else with this short run you want to head on up on or hit no. up on. The only other thing we didn't mention was that you can actually still on occasion find these on retailer shelves even today. <clears throat> and uh, you know prices vary wildly around the country due to taxes and whatnot, but in the Tampa market, they're about six fifty a piece. I, I'll tell you what, for six fifty a piece, that is a steal and a half. I would, 
if I was in an acquisition mode right now, I would buy multiple boxes at six fifty a piece. For how these my, are uh, right now. Oh. My local preferred shop still has some of the bigger sizes, but I think I've over the past two years cleaned them out of this size. <laughs> they actually do a they have a buyer's club, you get ten percent off and they occasionally do ten percent off everything in the store in addition to what twenty percent off I was stocking up until they were gone. That's uh not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm I'm running through in my head what boxes can I sell that I don't like as much as this that would allow me to buy some of these. Oh well. I'll uh I'll have to think a little bit harder about that one because I want to buy some tantrums and I still haven't done that either. Yeah, those will be gone quickly. Yeah, I know those will be gone quickly. There's only I know how many are in the country and right now every minute I wait is probably hurting my chances. And they appear to be doing really well. Just uh, watching some of the retailers' Twitter feeds. Well, I'll tell you what I, I you know you and I have talked before and we've probably even talked on the show about how incredibly spicy cigars like Opus do not make their way into my regular um, smoking uh, uh, routine. I just can't, I can't tolerate them. It actually will hurt my throat um, during as well as after the smoking experience. And those tantrums, at first when I lit that bad boy up, I was intimidated. And uh, man, oh man, you, you can... You can tolerate that for the time that it gives it to you, and just when you're you're thinking, man, you know, I'm not quite sure I want to deal with this anymore. That cigar transition transitioned into something pretty darn spectacular. So, I, uh, oh, oh man, I got to get my hands on some more of those. I love yeah. a cigar that challenges me. Just as a side note, have you ever tried hanging on to Opus for a few years before you lit them? I, I have. Um, I actually bought. Uh, um, I actually I know I've shared this on the show before. I bought what I believe to be the first um, partnership between Fuente and Prometheus back in 2000. There was an Opus humidor, um, so I bought the humidor with all the different. It was a humidor of 20 uh, or a box of 20 with a humidor from Prometheus, and I bought those um, with no intention of smoking those because I was just going to age them or keep them for a while. Bought them with a friend of mine. Um, but at the same time, I ended up buying some traditional Opus to hold on to and smoke, so that way I could have the cigars. I could know what the cigars were tasting like in the box without having to crack the box. And so I'd had some of them with with the few years, probably no more than four. I don't think I got any further than that. Um, they were still aggressive to me, but not nearly what freshies are. You know, I, I'm biggest Fuente fan in the world, but not a huge fan of the Opus either. But I do have to say the profile of Opus varies drastically from one size to the next. I mean, there's, there are some, uh, the, the little tiny mini Bellicoso, they call the Power Ranger or the Triple X, uh, those, yep. kill, those kill me, absolutely slaughter me. I can't deal with them. Uh, uh, but the... Uh, the Lancero, love the Lance. They call it the Phantom, and I just had one this week uh, that a gentleman gift gave to me a few weeks ago, and it's, as far as I know, it's fresh, and it was great. But I typically don't buy very many of them. But when I do, I just drop them in the bottom of the humidor and stick a label on them, and never light one within two years. And 
by about four years, they're getting to where I can enjoy them quite a bit. Hmm. I uh, I really do owe it to myself to to jump on in. I mean, maybe if I buy some now and I wait another three four years, I'll uh, have fully committed to wanting to give them a try and I'll I'll enjoy them. But I I've probably got a little bit of a mental stigma too because I have lost my cookies from Opus. I mean, full out holding the bucket, losing my dinner. Um, Oh, I've had some crazy experiences with Opus where it's just been so strong and so painful from the the spice that uh, I need to get myself back in a right mindset to enjoy them, I think. I tell you, disregarding the reputation or chatter you might hear about them, the three sizes that I like that, that don't seem to impact me so much are that Lancero, which are incredibly hard to find, and the BBMF, also very hard to find, and the Double Corona, which is not as hard to find. And the Double Corona is a big old cigar, but it, I don't know what's different about that blend. It's just not quite as strong, not as potent, and I really like those three sizes. What's the 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 the, the mini Lancero that's a Bellicoso? What is that called? I think it's a just a I think it's just a number. No, they just put a number on it. Is it? Oh, I thought it was called something. Like six by forty, maybe, and it's a lens. It's got a little bellicoso tip or a little figurado tip to it. Not figurado tip. It'd be called a bellicoso tip. Uh, let's see. I don't see that one on the little. I, I just did a quick little Google search. I don't. I see a a diagram with the normal production sizes, but I don't see that one on there. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't see it. Mm. Well, I, I if there was ever an opus that I that I uh, enjoyed regularly, I would say that that was it. Um, knowing that I always had a preference for thinner cigars and knowing that I never have gotten my hand on a Lancero Opus, uh, that was a traditional Lancero, the, whatever, 7.5 or 7.58 by 38 or whatever it is. Um, I, uh, I know that those were cigars that I did enjoy. Um, they always challenged me, but I know that I liked those. I should pick some up. I will pick some up. I'll find some. Those Lanceros are really hard to come by, but they're definitely worthwhile. Mm. You know, is Casa Fuente back open? Have we heard that yet? Well, they're open uh, and open for smoking inside the store, but not out on the patio. Okay. Oh, I I thought that they had still been closed. Oh, okay. No, they they remained open. They just couldn't allow smoking outside the, the shop there. Um. Maybe maybe next time when uh, someone I know goes to Vegas in the next couple months, I can send 50 bucks your way and have you pick up a couple of them for me. Seven weeks. <laughs> Not that you're counting. Hey, have you had the uh, Don Carlos Lancero? Yes, I have had Don Carlos Lancero. Those are, those are nearly life-changing cigars. They oh, are. Oh, my gosh. Um... I think only beat out in terms of Fuente products by the Casa Fuente Casa Fuente Lancero. Well, you that, got one one of those headed your way. The Casa Fuentes? Yeah. Oh, you are a bad man. I love it. Thank you. I happen to have an extra one. I, it's in the in there ready to ship to you. It'll go out tomorrow or Monday. Oh man, those that is the oh tomorrow or Tuesday Monday's a holiday. 
It is. Um, thank you, sir. That's awesome. Um, I think the Casafuente Lancero is. I know it's in my top five greatest cigars, most perfect cigar blends. Um, but I, I think it is the best, consistently the best cigar uh, of Dominican origin that I've had. Holy cow! I love those. I do too. I, I actually like all of those. The, the all three of those Lanceros we've mentioned in the past few minutes, mm-hmm. and it's not just because I'm a Fuente ho. No, they're they're all uh, obviously not the the Opus. I can't speak to that, but the other two are uh, special cigars. I gotta sit up a little bit here. You look taller than me on the screen. I'm trying to scoot up here. <laughs> you know what I was told? All right, this is a rat hole. We haven't even gotten to our news items yet, and we're a half hour into the show. Uh, you know what I was told like a month ago? What's that? Oh man, I this is this is someone speaking to me. Oh, I thought you'd be taller. You you're good at your job. I just expected you to be you to be taller. I'm like, what do those two things have to do with each other? He's like, well, <laughs> you're in construction, and guys who are in construction are you know they're they're manly. They're you know. They're man's man, and you know you don't expect somebody to be in construction and only be five nine, five ten. I'm like, dude, what does that have to do with anything? What are you talking about? He's like, I just thought you'd be taller. You know what you should do? Get a pair of Doc Martens. Maybe even get some lifts. I bet you'd get more business. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? That is the most random, crazy thought I've ever heard about just business. You need to be tall to be successful in construction. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a weird one. That is glorious. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I said that we've got some good news items here, and I meant it. We should probably uh, grab a hold of a couple of these. What do you say? Yeah. The uh, the news this week is uh, I- I'm going to have little contribution here, I, This especially this first story. I am not really familiar with it at all outside of, Hitting a couple of headlines, uh, but I mean, I did see the headlines. Didn't really read in depth into the, any articles about it. Uh, well, but, uh, the, the, I, I mentioned in this first one, um, it's a legislative item. Um, I guess it's yeah, it is legislative, definitely. It's just not perhaps uh, American legislation. We'll say that. Um, not yet. Not yet. Very true. Um, the story, you know, it's a couple weeks old, unfortunately, but uh, I just found it this week, but. Cuba, um, the nation of Cuba is actually challenging Australia's plain packaging tobacco regulations. Um, And they're doing so uh, through the channels of the World Trade Organization, which I just think is, it's just, there's so much irony or humor in that. It's just, okay, so Cuba, a country, a communist country, is involved in the World Trade Organization and has been for almost 20 years. And they're they're challenging another country's ruling, um, basically stating that their products aren't able to be marketed or aren't able to to um, uh, to essentially be um, you're not able to see the branding that they care so much about that they think is such a marquee portion of uh, of the cigar. It's just it's. It's intriguing to me. There's so much in that story that I think is is unique. A communist country all of a sudden sees to it that the idea of marketing and the idea of sales is important enough that 
that they want to seek um, a, a method of stopping another country from preventing them from losing that marketing and that cigar art. Um, obviously, there's more to it, but I'm boiling down the, the kind of ironic part of the story, but uh, I just thought that was unique. It, it was worth sharing for me. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. I mean, their assertion is that if they're if Australia is either removing or covering up all of their branding, that it's going to be, you know, how easy is it going to be to take the, take some other cigars and put a plain white band on it that says this is a Romeo whatever and sell it as a Cuban cigar and and hurt their sales in the country. It's it's uh it's also humorous to me i have a a few friends who are um actually cuban citizens were born in cuba and came over to the states and um share stories about how you know oh yeah i go back to cuba or i help my family do things in cuba and i have to send them more money than what it would normally cost or i have to you know make sure that we have more product than it would actually take because so much of it is stolen. You know, you have a job site. You need to order twice the windows because all of a sudden the other half or half of what you have is going to walk away, you know. It's interesting to me that that the nation of Cuba is, uh, is again, worried about that theft that, that uh, I don't know, I, I'm putting words in, in the mouth of, uh, of this story, if I can use that analogy. But I don't know, something just struck me as unique here. Um, and then completely separate of my own, uh, personal opinions regarding the irony here, um, the fact that someone is challenging this this plain packaging legislation is also unique to me, and it's something that I think we as um, as an industry should keep an eye on because this is could very easily happen in our neck of the woods in not too terribly uh, of a distant future. I think um, I could certainly hear somebody say, "Oh, it's for the children." We don't want to market to the children, and the artwork, the beautiful colors, are more desirable to kids. They'll take up cigars and become addicted to tobacco because there's a beautiful woman on the Romeo y Julieta box. You know, just, that, that, that's exactly what? the argument that was used to get it in place in Australia. You know, and, and now you can't even walk into the store and look at what you want to buy. You just—it's almost like a sanctioned black market, you tell the guy at the counter what you want, and he goes into the back room and brings it out, and you just hope that's what you're getting. Wasn't New York City trying to remove um, all tobacco products from uh, public's view? Didn't uh, I hear that this year? They they tried that. I don't think it panned out. They wanted to hide all, I think it was predominantly cigarette marketing uh, at the point of sale. Hmm. That's... Uh... Which is funny because they don't do that with any other age-restricted products, just tobacco. Yeah, yeah. Try doing that to the liquor industry. See what they do to you. Uh, yeah, they got know. a lot, a lot of clout. It's kind of a just an interesting story to keep an eye on. I found this one in New York Times, um, doing some news searches, international news searches, and uh, uh, I've now bookmarked this, and I'm going to be checking back to see is. As often as any uh, news turns on this one, the 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 thought was is that the story came out the very beginning of May. The challenge was made the very beginning of May, uh, and so you can probably expect to see some sort of um, ruling or announcement in the beginning of July, uh, because there's an I believe a 60-day um, period when 
some sort of a uh, an agreement that was amicable to uh, both parties could be reached. So be on the lookout uh, probably just prior to IPCPR. I'm hoping we'll have some uh, additional stories or feedback about this one. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, just to play devil, devil's advocate a little bit, if, if Cuba's that upset about it, they could always just stop importing or exporting to Australia. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. That's probably not going to happen. Um, I know Australia is part of uh, uh, the Pacific distribution distributor or whatever, um, Pacific Cigar Company. That There's a gentleman, David Tang, who at one point was affiliated with that, and Pacific Cigar Company is just a hugely... Um, important distributor in the world of Cuban cigars, and Australia is a large market of that, a large share of that market. So there's there's a lot of lobbying that's going to go on, and I wouldn't doubt if this had some uh, large push from that marketing, which is actually causing this um, WTO, um, uh, I don't even know what it's called, ruling maybe? Regulation? Well, I don't know. We'll, well see. It was just a complaint filed with the World Trade Organization at this point. I don't mm-hmm. think there's an official name for it yet. Cuba's just made a complaint. I'll go with complaint. That's a good idea. Good word. <laughs> I'm an expert at complaint. <laughs> what about this next item? We're getting into cigars a little bit, but I know next to nothing about this. What uh, What do you have on Camacho rebranding? Uh, not a whole lot. This this was a story uh, reported by Half Wheel that uh, Camacho has just flown under the radar, and they they apparently are just not not talking about it whatsoever. Uh, but they're rebranding their whole lineup, and new marketing, new bands, new boxes, new prices. They've dropped the prices just about across the board. Uh, many many of their uh, cigars are quite a bit cheaper actually than. Uh, previous prices and this is should start showing up on shop shelves in the I don't know over the summer I suppose um, and, and there's not really a whole lot more past that half wheel did put up some pictures of the the new bands which did not especially impress me but I, I don't smoke the band so it's not that big a deal to me you, you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of the Ditka cigars yep um a lot, actually, but I guess that makes sense. Um, those pictures that I believe Half, Half Wheel shared were actually of um, public offerings. So these cigars are available in those those uh, packaging styles. Now it's just I don't believe they're nationally available in those styles. Right. They uh, Somewhere in Texas, I think it was Dallas, they started a series of events, and they're just quietly moving through the ranks and doing these little events. And uh, I guess I think there was a, a countdown posted on there on the Camacho website that leads up to June 21st for what, what I will assume is going to be a big news story, a big official launch. Well, the the really the truly intriguing um, item of this story, besides just the the uh, appearance of the boxes or the bands or the the branding, let's say. Um, is that the, the two most popular lines from Camacho, the Diploma and Corojo, um, they've been reblended. Yep, you know, been... That's just shocking. Not only are we coming out with a completely new um, marketing strategy and, and brand recognition, a, a logo, but 
we're going to change our two best products. I mean, that's that almost sound, just screams Hail Mary to me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, they, they did say they had tweaked the blends to be what they believe is more akin to what, what the blends were when they initially launched however many years ago. Hmm. But, yeah, it, 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 it's, it looks to be a sweeping change. It's not just a matter of changing a couple of, you know, minor changes on a band somewhere or something. This is, this is a full rebranding of the company. Is this, um, <clears throat> I'll ask you to go out on a limb and share your opinion only. Is this the, uh, uh, the Chrysler version of the cigar industry bought by Daimler-Benz, uh, <laughs> held on to, rebranded, trying to reintroduce or recreate a, a common um, brand only to be sold for a major loss years later uh, and kind of, you know, wipe your hands, throw them up in the air and say, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> Never mind. Are we... Are we up for seeing something like that from uh, the Davidoff boys and girls? I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it has been a different uh, approach since they've been under the, the Davidoff banner, or the, the I guess banner's the word I'm looking for. Um, so, I, And I've seen this kind of rebranding with one or two other companies. You know, most recently, Padilla did something similar uh, when they essentially shut down production on all their core lines and relaunched. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the uh, what the motivation is for doing it. But it's it looks to be something that's been in the works for a while. I can't imagine they did this on a whim. Yeah, yeah. It would be it would have been quite a feat to do this on a whim. I mean, the the, the scope of work itself is pretty staggering. But yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a huge, huge Camacho fan. I buy the Liberty every year just mainly because it's a habit at this point. I've been doing that since 2005 just to just to have one or two of them. And I like some of the Room 101 stuff, which is, comes through Camacho. But I can't say that there's a normal standard production Camacho line that I regularly go by. Hmm. All right. So I just... Uh on the recommendation of one of our listeners who sent in that, that uh, email a few weeks back about different ways to taste your cigars and about how the French inhale method yielded the greatest results for tasting a cigar, uh, I have to say it makes a difference on this cigar. Wow, I, I was just very blown away on how the short run... Uh, uh, displayed itself when you're able to do a French inhale on this one. I have not mastered that skill. I, I can't do that without actually inhaling the smoke. I would I would be hacking up a lung should I try right now. I uh, I can't say that I'm artfully successful at it, but uh, I can let out a large puff of smoke and then take some just slightly into my nasal cavity, but. Um, it definitely does give a much more of a raisiny, deep, dark, just a totally evolved fruity sweetness from what it was early on. And I um, I dig it. I enjoy it. This is a good cigar. A lot of good transitions. I'm solidly into the second third on this one and am enjoying every bit of it. Yeah, this is one of those cigars that, that I get a very wide variety of flavor from. And... Sometimes you might think that 
to be a bad thing if if and lead to inconsistency and that's not at all what I mean I just everything I get out of it is uh unfailingly pleasant and, and enjoyable but there is a wide scope of flavors a wide range for me in this one hmm. well, it's uh you know I guess we we usually don't focus on the cigar of the week right in the middle of one of our segments and for me to do that it obviously kind of struck me a little and you know, it's one of your favorite cigars one of the ones that you shared for the show so i uh i think that says a lot from both of us it's too bad these aren't just a regularly available 100% normal go buy them any day sort of stick yeah but you know i think there were roughly 25,000 of each of the three vitolas made uh, this in the 2011 and that number varies i think 2010 had quite a bit more and it it just depends. I think this the approach to blending this cigar is like we've talked about before, where you know they have a certain amount of these different tobaccos and come up with something to use them in, and that's that's just all there is. Hmm. Somebody needs to grow some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, this next item you uh, uh, you put in the notes, and I'm especially intrigued by it from my. Uh, Allegiance and affiliation, or history. Uh, history is a better term with Granabano, but they uh, they are releasing this summer, according to George Rico, an American Puro. And they are, and this is something that just absolutely fascinates me <laughs> to no end. Um, Going to launch it three sizes: four and three quarter by fifty-two, six and a quarter by fifty-four, and five and five eighths by forty-six. That last one being the one that that draws my uh, attention the most because um, that's right up my alley, that size. And it, it is going to be an American Puro, all the tobacco grown right here in the United States. going to have a Connecticut wrapper and binder and a filler blend of Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Kentucky tobaccos. And I did not see details on that Kentucky tobacco. I don't know if that's going to be uh, another fire-cured cigar or, or, um, or fire cure being in the blend. Or if that just happens to be something else from Kentucky, I, I don't know. There's not a lot about it. You know, basically what we just said was all they they announced, and it's going to launch at IPCPR. And I, for one, am just like I said, fascinated. I can't wait to try that. I, I love getting these oddball cigars, and you know, some of them are duds, but some of them are great. And I, it's uh, it's the never-ending search for the holy grail. <laughs> the uh... There's a there's an update that that had come out since we originally put this in the notes, but um, the cigars are going to be a little bit on the upper end of the spectrum, that eight to nine dollar range um, uh, for each of the three sizes, and um, also going to be produced in America. They'll be made in Miami, um, and that they uh, they will be out in approximately a hundred boxes a size every month is what their production will be. They'll be made regularly, but they'll be made regularly in those smaller volumes, which is uh, which is interesting to me. Um, you know, only a couple thousand cigars every month uh, or a few thousand cigars every month will be available. So you can look for this definitely be on the, uh, you know, be on the lookout after IPCPR, but um, you might need to do some research. I have uh, a feeling that you're not going to see these at every corner store. Unfortunately, no. Um, I, I I hope I see him at my corner store, though. 
if I uh, if I happen to get my hands on any of these, I'll send some your your uh, your way, and I will do my darndest to get some of those uh, Corona Gordas. Mm. Well, and then uh, your good buddy and mine, Michael Herklocks, uh, uh has announced recently through Cigar Aficionado that the Nat Sherman brand is coming out with their latest release, the 1930. Hmm. And this is uh, the other other reason I said I had very little to contribute in the news this week. I know absolutely nothing about this outside of a few stray tweets here and there. Uh, So Uh, I I haven't read the background or the story. I don't don't know actually much about Nat Sherman as a whole. You know, I, I have to say I'm not hugely familiar with Nat Sherman, and it's almost by design. Um, I know Nat Sherman for years has put out uh, cigarettes as well, and I, I I don't know why other than just a, a feeling. For years, I didn't smoke Nat Sherman's because the shop that I was at that I went to also sold the cigarettes, and I just for some reason I I, I didn't know any better. I have no way. I, I'm in fact I'm sure that this isn't the case, but I just was naive and thought, ah, you know, cigars and cigarettes made by the same company, it just seems like they're, you know, the same tobacco. It's just it's short fill or it's long fill, you know. I don't want to try those. Um, So I am woefully uninformed on Nat Sherman as a whole when it comes to a brand. Um, But this 1930 intrigues me. It's going to be made at Matassa, the uh, uh, Manny Casada's factory in Santiago, um uh the the last I what I believe to be the last release from Nat Sherman, um the Timeless, geez, I almost forgot the name, was widely respected um and thought of to be one of the better releases in twenty twelve across the board. It was on numerous people's top lists, people that we respect and that we uh look to for a lot of insight. Will Cooper had him on the show last week. I know he had it on his list of one of the better cigars. One of the best cigars to be released last year, and um, many other people have have shared just as much. So, the 1930 is um, is interesting. It's another Dominican or Nicaraguan cigar, uh, much like this short run that we have today, but um, described as deep and complex and with brightness and overall balance. Um, you know, I, I think you could say that about a lot of cigars. Again, this short run uh, as well would apply to both those um, little snippets, but um, knowing knowing what uh, the more recent history has been from Nat Sherman, knowing what the quality of product usually is, or I guess always has been from Matassa, um, I'm intrigued by this. I definitely am intrigued by this cigar. Hmm. And, and again, you know, if you're a listener of the show, you know I'm not the guy who goes out and buys all the latest and greatest, but there's something about this one that I um, I think it's going to be relatively interesting. But well, I'm slowly contaminating you. You're going to be trying every new cigar down the pike soon. <laughs> the problem with that, I don't have the cigar budget to go out and just try. I only have the budget to go out and buy my boxes of what I need, and I'm good. If I try, then I'm going to need to try and buy boxes, and then I'm going to buy more boxes, and my wife's going to leave me, and it's going to be a terrible thing. Just make one one of those boxes per purchase uh, an assortment of singles and try new stuff. You'll be fine. Yeah, you can 
You can try all you want. You got to try a little bit harder. You'll get me sooner or later, but I'm going to put up a fight. I think. Oh well. You'll well, come around. Everybody does. <laughs> Nat Sherman also. Uh, it, it should be stated that Nat Sherman is also expected to have another release this year. Um, they have been uh, quite the new cigar fanatic since. Uh, Mr. Herklotz has kind of made the transition over to them from Davidoff, where he spent many a year. Um, but uh, I, I, I think for right now, my focus is on this 1930. I'm intrigued by it. I've got high hopes. I think that it's going to be pretty darn successful. Nope. So. I lost you there for a second. Pretty darn uh, successful. I'm sorry. Yep. yep, no problem at all. Well, what uh, what else have you been smoking lately, my friend? Do you got anything uh, coming up for this weekend or have anything that you've had that you want to talk about uh, uh, more recent memory? A little bit of both. Um, what do you got going on? I mean, this is a holiday weekend. Got some uh, big plans, little plans, no plans, hanging out? You know, I, um, I've got uh, a big weekend of not too terribly much going on, which, you know, after... Uh, my little dude's birthday uh, last weekend, and then family being in for two weeks, uh, and then a thousand and one other things, being in D.C., crazy work prior to that. I am looking forward to soaking up the opportunity to sit back, relax with a cigar, uh, family, friends, good times, maybe uh, get in the water a little bit if we get above 70 degrees and, and, and have a nice day. Holy cow! My, my my pool is about eighty three degrees right now. Oh my goodness! Forget about the air. Uh, wow! I uh, I'm surprised I don't see you have to tamp off the sweat from your forehead. Well, I, I mean, it, like I said in that tweet earlier today, if if today's weather is an indication of what's coming once we're actually in summer, I will be broadcasting half ass from the pool. I have to say, I. I think at one point you should do it from an inner tube with your computer on the pool deck. That would be perfect. That is a recipe for disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I don't end up dropping a computer in the pool, nobody needs to see that. I just think it would be great to watch you floating around like throughout the pool and the only thing connecting you to the show is your headset cord. (laughs) I love it. You have anything specific lined up? You gonna uh, grab a one cigar or another? I don't know that I got anything special planned with the cigars. It, it is the dude's birthday this weekend, and uh, those of you that don't know my little boy's name, his name's Caleb, but he's known worldwide as the dude uh, since the <laughs> literally since within seconds of his birth. Uh, so we'll be uh, grilling, watching movies, and playing Xbox all weekend long. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I thought this this summer we're going to take the kids up to D.C. for a, a, a short trip and hit some of the historical sites and memorials and whatnot. And I thought this was probably a, a good time to kick this summer off with, with his education and make sure he knows what Memorial Day is rather than just uh, the grilling and, and the Xbox playing. He, uh, uh, I, I imagine that if he doesn't, uh, it, how do I want to say this? I imagine that he will enjoy D.C. Uh, even as a kid, I think, um, or probably especially as a kid, I think that you can get caught up in what D.C. means. Um, perhaps not what it still is, 
or what it has been, but what it what it means. And uh, I think that's admirable that you're impressing that upon your uh, uh, your little chillins. Yeah, we got to do that before it's forgotten. Yeah, well, well, it uh, it's one of my favorite places on the planet. I have had uh, just about as good of experiences one can have in D.C. Great cigars, great food, great friends, great business, uh, great passion, everything. So. One of my favorite cities in the entire world. Um, from an architectural perspective, it's gorgeous. From a city planning perspective, it is progressive, um, yet traditional. Yeah, that, uh, that struck me as funny when you said progressive, knowing when, when much of that city was planned. Absolutely. That there's there's some really unique things about that city. It was it was planned by uh, I believe it was planned by a famous French. Uh, land planner or city planner, um, and then due to a, uh, I, don't quote me on this. I'm not a historian, but I believe due to a uh, a dispute on funds, um, the land planner was or the city planner was not used. He was not technically commissioned to finish his design. Um, and so, what did America do? What did uh, the person who was in charge of this city planning in D.C. do? They found his slave, who happened to have a photographic memory and knew all of there was, all of what there was to know about his city plan, uh, and commissioned him and basically got the plan from him for a slave's wage. So that's that's what our uh, our city monuments are based off of. Uh, someone's stolen ideas that we just thought would be good enough uh, to display the integrity of our fine nation. <laughs> <sighs> Well, nonetheless, uh, even despite that, I think that uh, D.C. is a mystical place. I hope you and the family enjoy it, and uh, I hope that your enjoyment of it starts this weekend on Memorial Day uh, and that he um, and the rest of your family can uh, understand and respect that. I know I will. In fact, I might, as just a rather silly uh, way to express a little bit, I may finally light up that uh, Camacho Liberty you shared with me. Oh, yeah? I, I, oh, I did send one of those. I forgot about that. You did send that, yeah. Hmm. I think that's what I'll make an effort to smoke. Most definitely I will have that this weekend. I think we're going to uh, ride this D.C. trip on the coattails of IPCPR because we're leaving our kids with the grandparents in Tennessee, so we're going to do D.C. and Come back to Tennessee, leave the kids there, and fly out to Vegas. That's mm. uh, that'll be a good time. You'll be looking forward to coming home afterwards, though. Oh yeah. Mm. So what you been smoking this week? Well, I uh, I realize I've neglected to put anything into the show notes, which is uh, a party foul. But uh, I have had one other cigar this week besides the cigar of the week, um, and I had two of them. The first I had, uh, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. And the second I started before the show began tonight uh, on my way home from work and then continued it immediately before the show began. And it is a an El Triumphador from Pete Johnson, the original ones. One of the original releases from back in 07, I think, 08, somewhere around that range. And... Uh, Oh my giddy aunt, these are glorious cigars. Um, yes, they are. Holy um, cow. 
I'm a huge fan. Of course, that could see, be said of countless Tatawahe products, but I, I really like that one in particular. This is special. This, to me, screams Tatawahe in its prime. Uh, not to... Not to downplay where it is now whatsoever. Um, that's not the intention here. The intention here is to say that uh, in 2007, 8, 9, um, you know, Pete had a horseshoe up his rear end. And I think that the blends that he was coming out with and the way that his palate was uh, evaluating things has, I don't know if it's been replicated in, in the modern cigar industry. I don't think he came out with a bad cigar during that period. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the same thing, I don't mean to denigrate anything today, but I, I do think what he's got his hand in with uh, Latelier and the surrogates are, those are impressing me as much as anything right now. Hmm. That little, that tramp stamp, the surrogates tramp stamp, and that is a fantastic cigar. Hmm. I don't know if you've tried that one or not. I I don't think I've tried it since I was aware he was involved in it. I I knew um, when the original surrogates were out from New Havana Cigars, Dan Welsh, two years ago, three years ago, probably two years ago, was the first I was introduced to those. I had a few of the, the surrogates. In fact, I had quite a few of the surrogates and uh, really enjoyed them. I don't know if I had the tramp stamp, though. I don't think that was part of the original lineup. Were the originals two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, about that time. Um, oh, okay. The, the Bone Crusher or something like that, and a couple yeah. other. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, I don't think it was Tramp Stamp. I probably would have remembered that. But yeah. uh, I, either way, I know that I did have some. I'll put a couple of those in. Too, uh, the the newer ones. Those they're just great cigars. You know, I haven't uh, I haven't had a hundred dollar bill recently. If you have the opportunity to throw a few of those in the box, that would be great too. <laughs> <laughs> I had to try. Well, what about, I got a couple in there this week that uh, that I had a good time with. The the first was the. Uh, semi-released La Aurora 107 Maduro. Uh, the, you know, the original 107 came out a few years ago to celebrate their 107th anniversary. Uh, I guess 2010, that would make it. And there's been rumors and rumblings, I think is what I said in the, the review I wrote up for it, but the, of a Maduro version that's coming out along the way, and it hadn't happened. And, you know, a while back, or recently, at the TAA convention, they released this Maduro to the TAA member retailers. So it's already available in a few spots around the country, but it's going to launch nationwide at IPCPR. And uh, Barry Stein sent me a, a couple of these to try. And uh, I wrote a review up this week. You can find that over on the Cigarmi. But uh, I, I really like this cigar. I mentioned in the notes I've had a craving lately for spicier cigars than would be normal for me for, for whatever reason. It just seemed like I would go to the humidor and kind of poke around and nothing really jumped out. I don't I don't keep a lot of those uh, bold cigars around at, at any given time. And this one was that cigar. It was exactly what I was looking for. It, it was it, it was 
spicy without being brash, but it, it was enough, but never overpowering. It didn't, didn't put me on the ground or anything. Um, and, and it was that kind of, uh, spice we've talked about that you really feel more than taste. You, you, you can feel a little bit of tingle in your nasal cavity and, uh, and, and, uh, you know what? You you could tell it was there on your soft palate more than than mm. anywhere else. It, it it was impressive, and you know, but the had kind of some sweet earthy flavors. You know, some chocolate and an occasional just a little whiff of cedar here and there. But it, it, I had the robustos, and I I thought they were good solid cigars, and and uh, that's another one I'm looking forward to once it makes its way to shelves. Uh, I'll definitely keep a few of those around. It's a it's a has a broadleaf Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, and you know La Aurora has done a good job with that wrapper lately, actually. And uh, I'm looking here at the notes. It has the binders, uh, Dominican Corojo fillers, Nicaraguan and, and Dominican, and uh, can't can't give it much more of an endorsement than that. I just really liked it. It was one of those cigars that. It's not going to jump out and say, hey, this is a unique flavor you've never had before in a cigar. It's it's just a very solid smoke, an enjoyable smoke that, that I think most anybody could appreciate. Um, even, you know, the the hardcore guys that are really into those nasal napalm kind of spice bombs can get enough out of this one to enjoy it. And the guys like me that don't usually appreciate that quite as much can also, you know, f- find a lot of good in this cigar. I, I well, think it'll... Go ahead. I was just going to ask you, what other cigars would you say are nasal napalm? You know, I mean, do you can you think of any that are uh, just consistently that push your limits, push your boundaries? Um, uh, yeah, actually, uh, and it's a cigar. <laughs> I'm going to look stupid for just saying I don't appreciate that. It's a cigar that I really like. Is uh, some of the just the normal run of the mill. Full production, my father series. Uh, just the the number one is the one I really like, and, but on occasion that thing will just hit me sideways, and and I I just can't can't deal with it. It's just it's just overpowering for me. And, but you know, typically I like them. But that that one jumps out. That one, whenever it happens, I don't know if it's my uh, constitution is down or or what's going on, but that those cigars are either dead on and perfect and as good as it gets for me or I just can't handle the spice. Hmm. Why do you think, you know, it's kind of funny, but you mentioned that, oh, you know, I've been craving a spicy cigar recently. Why the heck do you think we crave different types of flavors from cigars? You know, is it just like food? Is it literally just like food where, you know, you had something salty and now you're craving something sweet or, you know, you had enough Mild cigars. Now all of a sudden, your palate is looking to be challenged. You know, is it that simple? You think? I don't know. Maybe I just don't uh, pay close enough attention. <laughs> that, but <laughs> but I will get in into a, a rut maybe where I smoke a lot of cigars that are not necessarily similar in flavor, but similar in intensity, and I just want to kind of mix it up a little bit. Hmm. I'm just curious about that. I. You know, I I was thinking while you were talking, uh, while you were just starting, I was rereading some of my notes about what I was planning to smoke for Memorial Day and how I was, at the time that I had, had uh, contributed to the notes here, I didn't know what I was going to smoke. And I'm reading that thinking, you know, 
I really have a taste for some custom um, or master blended cigars. You know, the the cigars that you're not going to a shop and picking up. You're you're you, you know they're they're available from from one roller, one blend. It's their signature blend that you can tweak slightly. Um, you know, the things like a Monsdale or a Santos, or typically they're they're from Cuba. It's just I find myself going, oh, you know, I haven't had those core flavors in a while. I, oh, that that really makes my mouth water. That sounds really good. And then it kind of dawns on me, why why in the world do you crave that? I mean, this cigar is spectacular. Why am I not thinking about the next time that I'm going to have this cigar? You know, that that's just interesting to me. I I don't know. Maybe no one else thinks that way, but uh, I don't know. You know, I just sitting here thinking off the cuff. I noticed that phenomena much more so in pipe smokers, and they're, they're, of course, like everything, I have to put the disclaimer that it's a general rule. There are plenty of exceptions, but uh, most pipe smokers I've known over the years fall into one or two camps. They either they start out looking for a blend, they smoke through however many it takes, they find one they like, and that's it. They're done. From 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 then on, that's all they smoke is one blend. And then there are other guys who have that same search, and it just never ends. They just go from one to the next to the next to the next, thinking they're looking for the one that's going to be their holy grail, although their holy grail probably doesn't exist. They just get a thrill out of the the hunt or or trying new things. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, I guess maybe I fall somewhere in in the middle. I'm I'm the exception. I just noted. I love to try new stuff, but there are a handful of cigars that I will very rarely or never be without in the humidor. Um, but but I do get in a rut sometimes where something strikes my fancy and I just I want this particular characteristic and I'll go look for that and find that uh, in the humidor somewhere. What you got well, there? Oh, it's just the I just took off the uh, second band from the short run and was just trying to give a little visual stimulation to the chat room, but um, <laughs> I uh, I think that, you know, it's kind of funny. You you stay, uh, maybe I'm not the norm, but think about it, though, Kip. I mean, that's how we've set up this show. We said, you know, hey, let's, let's kick off the show. Let's figure out what we're going to review by going through, and each of us contributes the 10 or 12 or however many it is. Um, Cigars that we can't live without, you know that 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 we really really like that that we'd absolutely love to share as some of our favorite cigars for the show, you know. And I'm not the guy who who smokes one cigar or the the pipe smoker who finds the one blend and then sticks with it. You know that's just not me. But I'm also not the guy who's always out there looking for that holy grail, trying every single thing to try to find it. I I know that. This short run is spectacular. I can't find anything I don't enjoy out of it. But I know that I would not be as satisfied if I smoked this every day of my life as if I had, uh, in comparison to having great cigars some days and bad cigars other days, just because I want a variety, you know? So it's I, I definitely don't think that you're so far in the minority um and that the two rules that you shared are are just that are rules. I think that 
most guys are probably like you and I. I, I gotta imagine they are. <laughs> take some comfort in that. <laughs> oh, take some comfort because I'm grouping myself with you. <laughs> oh, oops. it uh, makes me it it uh, you know pat yourself on the back there, Kipper. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think dedicating yourself to one pipe tobacco blend or one cigar is kind of dangerous ground if you're really really into it because at some point something's going to change either that blend's going to be discontinued it's going to change from year to year or something's going to happen that you're not going to be able to get the same experience i guess maybe that that would tend to scare me a little bit and that and the fact that i do get bored easily enough that i know i could not pick one thing that i'm i'm done shopping this this is all this is it for me you know that's a that's a good point about uh the inevitability of change i mean what if you get transferred at your job and you go from where you're at sea level basically to all of a sudden denver you know and you have that much less oxygen and you have that much drier climate um and all of a sudden whatever you smoked is physically unable to give you the same experience as when you lived elsewhere. You know, that that would be a pretty scary thing. All of a sudden that, you know, one of the few constants in your life would no longer even be possible. That would scare the bejesus out of me. I, I, I love cigar smoking so much, I don't think I could ever commit to it that much um, on the fear that I could lose it someday. Yeah, and even if you're you know, well off enough to stockpile years worth, <laughs> not necessarily well off because I've done that with pipe tobacco. But, uh, but what you you know you buy up twenty years worth of cigars, those cigars are going to be different next year and the year after and the year after. So there's not really an easy way to to ensure the future for yourself. That's uh, is a truly excellent point. Not to mention the fact that even if you don't stockpile, if you just know this regular production cigar is going to be, that'll be my go-to. I mean, you know, we've seen it in the past. Um, the climate is different from year to year, you know, and, and all of a sudden that that perfect cigar that you had is slightly different because the 2014 vintage is different from the 2013, you know, and as good of a blender can be, they, they can't, taste every cigar to verify that it's being that perfectly consistent. Nope, but it'd be cool to have the job of the guy that gets to try. Yeah, but it wouldn't be cool to get the sloppy seconds on every one of those. <laughs> uh, I think you need to uh, talk about another cigar on your list, because I have the hiccups and probably can't talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other one I had on here was the uh, A. Benitez, or Antonio Benitez, Um and Ray Benitez is the, the gentleman's name, the, the son of the father and son that are behind that brand. And I know Ray uh, through various trips to South Florida. I, I run into him at uh, actually at Charm Leaf pretty regularly. And uh, he's a great guy, just, just as a side note. And uh, the cigars I really like and can enjoy anything from his range. But he makes a Corona. He calls it the Edicion Especial Corona. I absolutely love this cigar. I got one at IPCPR last year from him, 
And I was sitting there late at night out by the, the pool at the hotel and had that cigar and was so impressed that I took the time and typed out a dang blog entry on my phone. I, I mean, I, I was infatuated with that, that little Corona. And I've, I've bought a number of them since you know, when I go down there because I don't have a, a local supply here in Tampa. <clears throat> but, man, I, I dug one of those out in my search for a little bit more spice this week because uh, it, it's not a, an overly spicy cigar, and, it, and it's a different character than what I was just talking about in that 107 Maduro. Uh, the, 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 the spice in the, the, that little Corona, that Benitez Corona, is uh, a little more sedate, a little more round or polished kind of flavor, and it's a little darker. And when I say darker, I mean it's more... Uh, toasty rather than a pepper kind of spice. It has a, a, a toasty kind of character to it. Yeah, that marshmallowish kind of you know, roasted marshmallow flavor that we've talked about before. And um, it, um, just like I remember, because it had been a few months since I dug one of these out, it, it was just spectacular. And uh, man, I love that little cigar. Mm. And, it, and it is a potent blend, but the fact that it is a small cigar kind of keeps that in check if it was uh, sorry <laughs> i'm dying over here i gotta go back on mute <laughs> if it was uh you know a toro in this blend it would probably um whip me it would probably overwhelm me but the fact that it is a smallish cigar and, and but but still a potent blend with with lots of good uh woodsy toasty even caramel kind of flavors just just make it a home run for me. I have to say, you uh, you have sold me on that, which is a difficult thing to do with a cigar I'm unfamiliar with to sell me just strictly on a review. But that really, that, I I thought you had smoked that one on Dog Watch. No, I don't think so. Boy, it does not sound familiar at all to me. He he was on the show one night with Frank Herrera. Well, I've been on Dog Watch a number of times with Frank, but but man, I do not recall that. It was toward the end, um, one of the maybe the last time Frank was on the show. They were there at Charm Leaf, and and Ray was there with him. And I know Bob and Dale were smoking it. You you may not have had that one. The last, uh, oh, excuse me, the last, um, um, God. Gosh, oh man, this is embarrassing. <laughs> the last Charmed Leaf show with Frank that I remember was, uh, I think it was Frank and Skip, actually. Uh, it was after that. Uh, Frank was back on one more time after that. Mm, I may not have been, been on that show then, but they all run together. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding, man. This is rough. I'm getting a big kick out of it myself. Oh yeah, well, talk about another cigar. I'm in pain. Okay, <laughs> I got I got one more I can talk about. I uh, and I actually still have the tube here from it. We talked about this last week. The uh, the King T Rosado that just showed up at Tampa Sweethearts last week, uh, which was a cigar that uh, they put out something under this name a year ago with a little different packaging. And quite honestly, I did not have the chance to try it at the time, so I don't know if this is the same cigar or not. It goes by the same name. Different different tube, different packaging, and I uh, lit one of those up this week, and I found something I don't always find in uh, Fuente cigars, and it was uh, 
not uh, not the spice bombs we've been talking about, but it, it had noticeably more Nicaraguan style kind of spice than most Fuente products. Um, not not to the degree, but in the same family of flavors. It was, uh, you know, like the typical sun-grown offerings from Fuente, had uh, some of that uh, tropical kind of spice, but it but it definitely had a little more punch to it than the uh, the normal other king tea that's out there, and and as well as the Cuban bellicoso and and the, their other sun-grown offerings. Um, you don't say. <laughs> And uh, while Craig composes himself in his hiccups there, we'll continue on with the King Tea Rosado. Uh, had a, a woodsy but sweet kind of aroma uh, before lighting, which I really enjoyed. And, and the, uh, the off the foot, it actually was almost a, a graham cracker kind of sweetness, just a really nice, uh, lovely kind of sweetness to it. Uh, and throughout the cigar, a lot of that uh, tropical or baking spice that we talk about so often, um, but but really got that uh, that bit of bit of a punch or a bit of a sting on the soft palate. Um, absolutely not at all disappointed. But uh, they run about nine bucks, and quite honestly, for nine bucks, there are a number of other Fuente products I would probably buy first uh, when I'm back at the store. Um, but, but certainly not disappointed that I gave it a try. You. You certainly have commented about cigars that you'd like with woodsy flavors on more than one occasion. Um, I mean, I can think of numerous cigars that that would apply to that you seem to have a fondness for. Is that is that a kind of a hallmark of this blend, or is that kind of sweet or a woodsy sweet aroma? I think is what you yeah woodsy sweet aroma uh, in that pre light. Yeah, Was that I- something that carried through at all? Um, not, not, in, not as a large proportion of the flavor. Uh, I think a lot of the reason that I throw Woodsy out there so often is what we've talked about before with my background in furniture and the aromas and smells of all the different woods as they're, you know, coming through a furniture plant and being machined. And so there are many different flavors I can tie to a specific wood rather than just Woodsy. You know, you know there's the oaks and the, the walnuts and the maples and, and any different number of woods that can pop up in a review or, or me just rambling on about a cigar. Hmm. Well, this, this, this one definitely had that, uh, that, that the, what you call baking spice, what I might call tropical spice, where it's more, it's not so much a pepper <clears throat> of any kind, but more like an allspice or, or I, I usually will liken it to, um, uh, some of the Caribbean cooking spices more than 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 the peppery spices. It, uh, it I'm gonna have to say that sort of graham graham cracker character and the sweet spicy um, boy that's really a draw for me. I uh, I have not really been a fan of the other the king. I'll call them the King Rosados or the King Cigars, the King T, the King B, um, the Queen B, I believe was another one. Um, I've not really been a huge fan of those, or I, I don't recall great experiences with them. Um, but this this review that you've got, it sounds different. It sounds to me like the blend is has definitely changed from where some of those others are. It has a different wrapper, uh, and that's really about all I can say. I mean, the uh, the other lines have that Ecuadorian sun-grown wrapper, 
this wrapper they call still Ecuadorian, but they call it the Rosado rather than their Sun Grown. And, and, and it struck me as a little odd that most of the time when you see the word Rosado on Fuente packaging, it will often be a little milder in strength than, than its counterpart. Uh, but that that didn't seem to be the case, and and again, I've only smoked one of them, so take it you know, with a grain of salt. But. Hmm. Well, nonetheless, it's uh, um, it's Fuente. I mean, how many horrible products has Fuente come out with in the last twenty years? Um, I, I would venture to say it's a good bet that you know your one-off review is probably closer to the reality than this thing being a dog rocket that. No one's going to enjoy. So, oh heck um, no! I, I definitely would would not say that at all. I mean, it, it was very enjoyable, but uh, the 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 only thing I was saying that that I, I guess is kind of like that is it was nine bucks for nine bucks. I can get uh, you know a, a Don Carlos number three and get a buck and a half in change. Wow! Which, happen, which happens to be my favorite Fuente cigar. I think you need to buy my Don Carlos's from now on. Why is that? Oh, I just usually see them well over ten bucks in our market. Oh, holy cow! Yeah, no, number three, seven fifty here in Tampa. Mm, man, that's not too shabby. Mm. Tampa's a good place. <laughs> I know Tampa's a good place. I have family in Tampa, well, around Tampa. Well, well I, there there is one retailer and I I won't throw the name out there but uh, in Tampa who radically marks up their cigars in particular the Fuentes and yeah I think their number 3s are about 11.50 there and and it I just I refuse to pay 30 or 40% more than I can buy something 6 miles away at my regular shop <laughs> I uh I can't say that I fault you for that. That that might be kind of a smart move, actually. <laughs> uh, so you didn't, didn't have a huge list of what you smoked this week. What have you uh, got going with cigars? Well, you know, we uh, everybody has always kind of talked about this idea of uh, brotherhood amongst cigar smokers, and um, that it really it's it just seems to be unparalleled amongst. Uh, uh, hobbies that are out there, but at a, I was at a site visit this week uh, on Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, actually, the one... Boy, now I don't remember if we were recording or not when I was saying... When I was talking about uh, doing the hand digging and having my uh, the dirt under my fingernails. I don't remember, but um, either way, I was out on site somewhere in the off chance that I didn't share it on the show. Um I was out on site somewhere, and I was doing some digging and some hand digging at that. Um, and uh, so I was with one or two other guys, one of which happened to be a client. Uh, we were out at their property, and so I, I, I just, you know, you're out for a couple hours, you're you're sweating, doing some work with some people, and you share some stories, and you have a good time. And so I mentioned that cigars were were a passion of mine, a true passion of mine, and. Um, uh, it, it's just kind of amazing how being proud of what you really care about and how about saying, um, you know, that, hey, cigars are something that uh, that I really have a great passion for. Um, it, it's interesting how that fondness can open the doors and light up faces and strike conversations just, uh, it, it just 
out of nowhere, all of a sudden, it just seems like you're best buds with somebody. And that's kind of what happened. I had a client and, and one of his friends that, that all three of us were out there. Um, and, uh, you know, we went from having kind of an awkward silence, having to do our job and all kind of just doing what we were doing to by the end of it, we're laughing and, and bonding. And, you know, I, I shared a cigar that I had in my car. I gave it to, uh, to the client just, just as a, Hey, you know, I love this. It was one of those Mia Moore reservas that I've talked about. Um, I just had one in my car thinking maybe I'd, uh, have it on the way home or something. And I, I gave it up. It's just that discussion of, of cigars and how, um, it just seems that cigar smokers are just some of the nicest guys in the world or interested in having those conversations with you about your fondness for cigars. Um, that was just very apparent this week, and it made a, a less than spectacular event uh, pretty darn enjoyable when you could talk about, you know, oh, what's your favorite cigar you've had this year? Have you had any good releases? Where do you buy your cigars from? Do you listen to podcasts? I mean, just goofy things like that. It's just it's so refreshing to to be able to take one of the things that I love talking about more than anything else. Um, and be able to bring that into the nine to five a little, and just talk to any random person about it. And if they care, it's it's a it's a great in, it's a great conversation. So I had some firsthand experiences with Brotherhood this week, and it was it was great. Made uh, made an afternoon really an enjoyable one. Yeah, that that's cool. You know, I've said many times before that there are plenty of jerks to be found in any hobby, and cigars are no exception. But but overall. I have been so impressed with the the community at large uh, in many ways, just the hospitality and cordiality and the generosity that that you find there is just amazing. And unlike any other hobby I've ever been involved with. Hmm. uh, It was a fun experience, and it always tends to. You know, that doesn't get old when out of nowhere you you realize that you have that commonality with someone that you otherwise weren't really finding a, a, a line that you, uh, that you both can can cross, and uh, it just made me happy that cigars just happened to be that bond that we had. So it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I like it. And uh, I'll tell you what I like. I like this mad scientist idea that you've got coming up here. Tell me about it. Yeah, this is kind of a, a whim, something I stuck in the notes that, that is absolutely undeveloped as an idea and, and not sure why I'm even mentioning it, but <laughs> later the later this summer, as some of these uh, new experimental cigars are coming out that we're seeing with uh, uh, the dark fired tobacco come out, I want to want to try to gather those up, and uh, you know at least the Drew Estate one, the Sam Lucia's new cigars, uh, the um, the Grand Habano, if that in fact does have the same or at least similar tobacco. And, and kind of just sample those side by side. Do a, uh, not I guess not really a vertical tasting, a horizontal tasting maybe, and uh, see how they compare to each other. And then also throw into the mix Old Dark Fired, which is a, a pipe tobacco blend that McBaron put into the market last year. And they actually introduced that at the, the pipe show last year's meeting of the pipe show that just happened there in Chicago. That was a Chicagoland uh, launch. And uh, just uh, just lay those out and see how they compare. Just just absolutely for the sake of curiosity and nothing else. <laughs> I just want to know. 
I I love this idea. Absolutely adore this idea. And I, uh, Michael Stewart, who'll be um, on the show next week with us. We've talked about him and his uh, uh, custom blended personal rolled cigars that he has. Um, he's recently shared with us some of his uh, dark fire tobacco. Um, some of the cigars that he's rolled with his dark fire tobacco. And one of the things that he's done that he's sent us is um, given us kind of his different iterations of cigars with some of that in it. Um, and it's interesting to me, it will be interesting to me after these have sat for a little bit of time to give them a try to really see what commonality, like what you're talking about, what commonality I'm able to find in the cigars that he's sent, considering he has different proportions in some of his cigars, or he has um, different combinations. You might have a half leaf, but it's a half leaf of the dark fired, and then a number, three other tobaccos, and then a half leaf of the dark fired, and then one other tobacco. Um, and so it's it's unique to me. I think we'll be able to have a, a really great commonality um, amongst his horizontal tastings to see really what um, uh, what is able to be paralleled amongst the experiences. So um, I don't have the old Dark Fired from McBaron, and uh, as I had shared, I don't even have uh, uh, a smokable pipe any longer that I was able to find. Um, but I'll do my, I think I'll do my own little version of this mad scientist with some of the stuff from Michael and, and see what I can find uh, characteristic-wise from some of that tobacco. Yeah, and you know, it's a great way to get to know a particular... Uh, type of tobacco, if you know that it's present in three or four different cigars and you smoke those three or four you know, close together, you'll be able to see, you know, if you imagine each cigar as a circle, and you, you'll be able to kind of get a little better picture or, or nail down what it, what that tobacco contributes to it. And, uh, it's a Venn diagram, right? Yeah. <laughs> back, to, uh, back to like third grade. Craig Vanderslice in the chat room just said, don't forget to throw in the Toscano, which also has the dark-fired. Okay. Hmm. Duly noted. I'm going to put that in the notes right now. I didn't know that, actually. That's, uh, well, no, you know, I I, I think we had, uh, we had talked about that a little bit, about how some of the Italian cigars have this in there, um, and Toscano probably being the most famous of the Italian cigars. I guess I just didn't make that connection, perhaps. Yeah, and actually, I think that's where the tobacco was originally destined that uh, that Sam ended up using. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I uh, I like that. I'll be looking forward to doing that. We probably, uh, as far as the the Mike Stewart stuff, Michael Stewart stuff, we probably have uh, uh, a month or two to wait before I'll comfortably be willing to do this. I don't think that he's. I uh, had these cigars sitting for long enough to really do them justice, but um, if you want to uh, do your tasting and then uh, a week later or perhaps even the same week I can do mine, I think that would be a pretty fun introduction into that uh, that tobacco. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I had the same thoughts. I, I know Michael just very recently rolled these cigars. We probably should give them six or eight weeks at least to kind of marry yeah, it's, that probably would be best. I may even consider just putting them out in the open um, 
over summer my basement gets relatively humid, and that's where my that's where I built my smoking room. So I may leave them out, let them dry out a little bit, and about the 60% humidity, 58% humidity, and uh, the open air, and let them do their thing. That might be where I go with this. So cool. then I'll throw them in the humidor to kind of bring them up a little bit prior to the smoking uh, yeah. time. So are we ready to branch into these two emails we got to talk about this week? Yeah, I think this first one is uh, it, quite interesting. I personally have had um, thoughts and experiences similar to, uh, I think, along the same lines as to what Don Hubble is talking about here, actually. Um, it, it, am I right? I'm going to go out on a limb. Am, am I right? Is my memory serving me correctly that Don uh, is the gentleman who is uh, living abroad right now in a Middle Eastern country? Yes, you okay. are correct. Perfect. I, Don was just one of the, the sweetest gentlemen that we met last year at the Dog Watch Herf. Um, and I am really glad that uh, uh, that he's listened on and picked up half-ashed. And he's, his email here talks about his current um, smoking or herf situation, uh, it, that it's heating up by the day, a little play on words. Um his evening temperatures hover in the, the mid to high 90s with 50% relative humidity, which is just, I'll use a very, very, very uh, <laughs> strong word here. That is just disgusting. <laughs> I mean, that is like Las Vegas, but throw in humidity, which just doesn't get much worse than that. So, oh, he's, uh, oh, I, I don't even know. That's right now, and he's headed to 120 in the day and cool down to 100 at night this summer. I, uh, I'm speechless. Yeah, but anyway, he says he uh, he's noticing that as the temperatures are warming up, he's tending to uh, lean more toward the smaller sizes. He, he says maxing out at a robusto or smaller, that he just completely disregards Toros and Churchills and just bypasses those for Coronas and Petit Coronas. And uh, he says, and his favorite Lijeros are sidelined for Cameroon, and yes, even Connecticut-wrapped cigars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, preloading hydration by drinking a half liter of water or more before sparking up doesn't mitigate, it, mitigate a sweaty herf. <laughs> so he, he was just curious if other folks in hot climates share a similar experience. And uh, and he's wondering if maybe he ha he fears he may have to declare a summer timeout from cigars. Well, and you you don't really have to worry about that, do you? I, I won't say I don't have to worry about it. Um, I I don't have to worry about it solely from the heat component of it, but Chicago most certainly will uh will have high humidity. It's by no means a dry summer uh, uh climate, but you know, our summers are, are solidly in the low 90s, um, but it's not uncommon for it to be 90 and 90. So it's it's definitely uncomfortable and definitely will affect the smoking experience. Yep. But I, I would say you've certainly got uh, much closer to a regular uh, experience of this than I would. Well, Actually, most of Florida it doesn't get any hotter than what you're describing. It's just those temperatures for more of the year. You know, mm -hmm. Rather than having a couple of months of that, we have eight months of that. Um, we we 
we don't see 120 degrees uh, at all, uh, nothing like that. But when it's, you know, 90 to 100 degrees and the humidity is roughly the same, yeah, nobody wants to really sit out in that for a couple hours to have a cigar. So I would say most people probably tend to smaller cigars, lighter cigars, um, you know, that, that are not maybe so in your face, don't have that chewy kind of smoke that's just going to hover around your head the whole time you're smoking it. Uh, yeah, la- sorry. Go ahead. I, I was uh, just going to say that last summer um, uh, when I came to the Orlando area, um, I think I was the only, I borrowed a car from some family down there, and I think I was the only guy on the road who, uh, when driving a convertible, had the top down in the middle of July in Florida. Um, and the reason why is because we had gone through I mean, something like a, a ridiculous stretch of 40 days where we our highs were above 90 degrees and that incredibly high humidity. We had uh, well over, well into the double digits of days with 100 degrees uh, last summer. We had the hottest summer on, on record, I think, since they had been keeping track. Um, and it was actually the first time I had ever come to Florida and felt like it was cooler than home. It was just staggering, and I I have to say I don't believe I had one cigar all summer outside because of that. Yeah, that that's when having a local uh, brick and mortar shop really comes in handy. Uh, and and you know I'm one of the very big reasons I moved to the state of Florida is to get away from cold weather. I, I do not mind heat. You know I might voice a complaint here and there, but I will take hot over cold any time. Uh, but but what really can get to me is you know those days when the air is just dead, it's just not moving, and and it's those summer days when it's you know you wake up in the morning, you walk outside at 6:30, and it's 85 degrees and 90 percent humidity, and it just feels so stuffy. And, and I don't care for that. I don't want to sit in that. But you know, I can manage sometimes, I suppose. Um, the only other thing that I was uh, alluding to it. The, at the introduction of this email was that I have not so much had uh, experiences affected because of the temperature or being uncomfortable I because I just usually don't give it a try if it's that uncomfortable. Um, my problems are when the humidity and the temperature rise. Uh, I have problems with the smoking experience, not just with my own comfort. Is that something that you get a lot in in Florida? Um, yeah, I don't know that it's a, a severe impact short short term where you take a cigar out of humidor and you take it outside where the humidity is ninety percent now. It can really screw around with the burn. Um, you, you may have a a cigar that even swells a little bit on occasions. You know, which can happen too dry or too humid. You know, I've heard Dale talk about that before, where he has five percent humidity and he pulls a cigar out of the humidor and it just you know, breaks open like <laughs> Elmer Fudd's shotgun or something. I uh, I have taken to in in less than ideal um, <laughs> less than ideal uh, environments. Uh, I'll smoke thinner cigars. I tend to find that that treats me better, and I don't know if it's just because that's what I'm more comfortable smoking, or 
if uh, the less tobacco, the less swell, or the less compression, or whatever it is that occurs, um, you get a little bit of a better experience. But you know, my one recommendation to Don might be that if you can increase your your pleasure out of the experience by smoking a cigar that's going to better behave in those situations or uh, conditions, maybe that'll maybe that'll help out a little bit too. Yeah. Um, seems like I'm going back to it quite a bit tonight, but, but with pipe smoking, I, the humidity is not as much of a factor. You know, it matters, but you don't, you don't have the, as tight a control as you do with cigars or you don't need as tight a control, but I definitely have a, a well-defined pattern over the past 20 years of when it's hot in the summertime, I will almost invariably reach for a lighter, in lighter in flavor, not necessarily strength, but a lighter flavored kind of you know, Virginia blend rather than a thick, heavy English Latakia laden blend. Mm-hmm. And those really fiery, woodsy kind of uh, heavy tobaccos, I more commonly will reach for those in the wintertime. For no particular reason, it's just that's. I mean, it's a it's a clear pattern. But asking myself the question, I don't know why. That's just just how it shakes out. Hmm. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I I I'm scanning through our next email from Enzo Temko again. Um, I have been... a, I have something to add to this one actually. Oh, go right ahead. I. Uh... I don't think this was in the notes yesterday, and unfortunately, I'm caught a little bit uh, by surprise in the latest developments in this ongoing saga that he's had. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he just sent this today, actually, and I just dropped it in there on you this afternoon. He um, sent us an update on his dry mouth situation. He, he's, he thought originally it was his Sensodyne toothpaste that was making his uh, gums and and even palate, I think, more sensitive, and he noticed when he would smoke, and he only smoked cigars on the weekends, I believe, uh, that the following days and even up to a week, he would have a, a kind of a scorched mouth kind of feeling, a raw or irritated um, mouth, and he, I think he even noted some swelling. And, um, and and now he's in an update that he doesn't think it's a, the toothpaste, and that's what I have a note about after we get through this. Um, but he went to the dentist. And the dentist noticed that the roof of his mouth was was inflamed, and he asked if he had burned his mouth on food. And it says he told him no, but it was probably the cigar. And, of course, like most all dentists will be, he was concerned and said he may have a high sensitivity to something in the smoke that, that the cells, you know, the lining of his mouth just doesn't like something in the smoke. And, uh, you know, and this, this really caused concern for Enzo, um, you know, and, and he, he had a question he wanted us to put out to the listeners, and just as a hint, this would be a great way to get on in on this giveaway again. Send me an email and tell me what you think about Enzo. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or, or his question, not necessarily about Enzo. <laughs> that guy's a jerk. <laughs> Enzo's not a jerk. He's a great guy. I've never even met him. <laughs> um, his emails are cool, though. But anyway, uh, he's asking if uh, if anybody out there has had a similar problem. He says he only smokes on the weekend, but it was enough to dry out his mouth and make his lips, gums, and tongue feel swollen or dry for the entire week. And um, you know, his concern is if he you know has some 
health reason he has to give up cigars, he's certainly willing to do that, but he doesn't really want to if he can kind of nail down what's causing it. And uh, his secondary question, he's, he's wondering if there's a possibility that it's not smoke in general, but possibly a type of cigar, the leaf or some process that, uh, that, that the tobacco has gone through with a manufacturer that is causing this reaction because apparently this has not always been the case. You know, he, he, he has tried, you know, a few different makes and models of cigars recently that he thought maybe, maybe it's some manufacturer or some process that's causing uh, the problem. And, um, you know, of course he has a lot of cigars and doesn't really want to get rid of those. He would much rather smoke them. Um, (laughs) So he wanted to try to, to just nail down if maybe there's some other something that's causing the problem rather than just generically smoke. Well, I, I, I don't have a problem. I don't ever experience a problem similar to what Enzo is talking about. I mean, the worst of my situation is that I'll wake up the next morning and feel like I, you know, did something terrible with my mouth the night before. I'll, I'll, uh, be kind and just say that I, you know, I'll, I'll get that, that feeling where I've used Listerine. I flossed, I've brushed my teeth. I've done everything that I could possibly do for proper oral hygiene. But then the next morning I wake up and I still have, uh, not still, I again have this sense that my mouth is coated with some sort of residue of some sort. Um, and I've spoken with a lot of people, and and some of them don't ever experience this. Um, I also will have a situation where I, I stop smoking because I feel like my palate is burned out, like I've had too many cigars. So, you know, if you could use the analogy that there's too much um, smoke residue in your mouth that you're unable to even detect flavor any longer. I've experienced that on many occasions. Um, but I've never had anything so severe to stick with me for a week or to be painful or to cause swelling or, or anything along those lines. Though I think that it's um, possible it could be either of either one of the items he's talking about um, meaning a specific cigar or something with a specific type of tobacco, um, or it could possibly just be his, his general makeup. I mean, if there's people who don't go through what I go through, and I know, and I know I don't have a an allergy or reaction to tobacco, it's entirely possible that this is just what his body's normal processes are, um, and that's unfortunate. But I think that maybe what his his dentist is um trying to allude to that you you know you may want to be aware of the fact that your body might not be the perfect <laughs> vessel to uh have cigar smoke within so i would absolutely ask the listeners if you have any input any content um any ideas i know that that enzo would certainly be uh um geez, would certainly find that that input valuable and i know that that I would certainly find that input intriguing, no doubt. Yes. Zach Anudo, uh, Dave Zach, who's a friend of mine here locally, is in the chat room. He said to tell him to turn the cigar around. He's smoking the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that explains it. Well, I, I actually have a couple of comments here. One, I've mentioned this before, even here on the show, 
that there is one particular cigar that has done to me something very similar to what Enzo was describing. Um, and it was that punch uppercut. And I tried those early on when they very first launched. They launched with this little three-pack sampler of those. And the, the tobacconist I was at at the time sold me on them. She goes, you got to try these. And so I got them. And about halfway through, I had this like a tingling, almost a numbness. And then by the end of the evening and for a few days after that, I had what I would call almost like an allergic reaction, just very raw feeling in my throat and mouth. And I thought nothing of it at the time. It was just uh, something that happened and everything was fine. Then I went and tried the second one, the exact same experience. And so the third one I gave away, I was like, it, 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 two of them, the only two times in the history of me smoking cigars that has happened was with that cigar. So I, I never went back. I do have the one you sent. I'm going to give it a try and see what happens. So, um, but uh, it, it's, it's what he's describing is very much like what I experienced with that cigar. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I, I've smoked other punches over the years with no trouble whatsoever. Um, and the other thing, I, I was sharing this email with my wife this afternoon. And she, she said, "Oh no, it's it's it." Uh, she thinks it's the Sensodyne because Sensodyne has done that to her, and I didn't even know she'd really? ever u- used it. But she said well, it, it is for sensitive teeth. But there's something in there that just made her gums and palate and tongue just all out of whack, and, and she had to switch back away from Sensodyne. And that was news to me. But I, yeah. I, I would not have imagined toothpaste to do that. But apparently it. It's possible. Um, so I don't know outside of what he's doing. Uh, he says he's going to let his mouth rest for a week or so and try a different cigar he's never smoked before and uh, go through a few different brands and see what happens. He says he has a, a good supply of cigars he's never smoked, and he's just going to you know, go through them and see which ones cause the reactions and which ones don't. You know, uh, this is... This is an out there suggestion. I will absolutely preface this by saying, uh, please don't do anything stupid, or don't uh, don't be idiotic with this idea. But um, do I need to make a legal disclaimer here? <laughs> <laughs> you you may want to put your finger on the pause button of the recorder, um, Enzo. If you have the equipment, um, consider trying to smoke a cigar with filtration. Um, so perhaps what would be the most common version of filtration when smoking something would be a water pipe of some sort. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I know that I have had conversations with people who partake with water pipes or other paraphernalia on a more regular basis, and they have shared to me that they will make the transition over to that equipment when when they're having bronchitis or, I, I don't know, whatever ailments people have who smoke a lot of uh, different things. Um, it, it, that has been expressed to me as a way to temper that and actually perhaps filter some of that uh, the the impurities or the the things that may irritate you. Um, now, do you want to smoke every cigar that you have through a bong? Probably not. But it's just kind of a 
I, I don't know. I, I mean, if worse comes to worse, that might be a way to celebrate with a cigar at one point. If otherwise, you're unable to smoke them. So, kind of a goofy little thing. I told you it was out of the box. That is peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> and not especially portable. I don't suppose you can drag that thing around with you for a cigar on the go much. Yeah, that would look a little interesting if you're smoking a cigar in the car. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Savinelli used to make what they called a desk pipe, and it was a chunk of briar, not really carved into a bowl. I mean, it had an in- internal bowl, but not really carved to look like a traditional pipe, and it sat on the desk had a long tube, long flexible tube, and an end on it, much like a hookah. And you could smoke your pipe while you're working. Huh. Kind of, I mean, there's no water, no uh, nothing like that. It was just a, a pipe with a long flexible hose, and it, I always was fascinated with those. I never knew that. That would, that would be a really cool idea. Really yeah. cool idea. This was back in the 50s. You can still find them on the secondary market every once in a while. I, uh, I I may actually, and by may, I mean I'm in the process of doing a Google search for that. Savinelli made them. And it was just called a desk pipe. I'd, I'd love that. I, I'm doing an image search right now, and I am, uh, I am pretty impressed with what I'm finding. Huh. That's pretty cool. Anyways, just kind of a, uh, a goofy little bit of insight. I appreciate you sharing. Oh, I've seen seen it all with pipes. There have been some crazy things come and go over the years. Oh, I, I imagine pipe smoking is uh, quite the art form. Oh man, back in the '30s when people got into making the stingers, those little metal condensers that they put in the stems of pipe, they all wanted to patent their own shape as if it did something different. And maybe some of them did or not, but the vast majority of the guys that bought those things cut the stinger off and just smoked it like a normal pipe. <laughs> and that's why the, the nowadays uh, now K Woody is a pipe brand that is today more associated with low end drugstore. You can buy them at Walgreens or whatever, um, and, and they've been that way overall since the late fifties. Uh, the forties and fifties were not bad, but if you can get a, a K Woody uh, or a Kaufman Bondi uh, pipe from the twenties and thirties. Man, they're just fantastic, made with just spectacular briar. And they use those stingers. But if you can find them nowadays with the original stinger still in place, then they'll, they'll command twice the price of one that's been cut off just because the majority of them were cut off. Interesting. I just I have such a an appreciation for pipe smoking. It's so, I don't know, to me it's just such a, a noble art form. It's a lot of fun, and uh, actually this week marked the second anniversary since my favorite pipe carver of all time died, uh, Reiner Barbie. Just an incredible, incredible pipe maker, and uh, he, he died young, uh, and I can't even remember now. seems like it was some, some kind of illness with his liver or kidneys maybe. I don't recall. Don't, don't quote me on that, but been dead a couple of years, and I have one example of his pipe, and it's a double-A a grade apple kind of brandy glass pipe and it just has the most spectacular grain that I have ever seen on a pot. Hmm. I, uh, I'm looking into the, <clears throat> the desk pipe right now and I found a pretty cool example with that 
uh, with the the tube and the the separate um, I don't know what it's called, not a nozzle, um, the mouthpiece. I don't I don't know what the proper term would be. Sorry about that. Um, oh man, it's just it's such a cool process. I, I really recommend going out and doing something like that. Um, huh. or, I'm sorry, not doing something like that. Finding something like this, just take a look at it. I think you'll appreciate it. Hmm. Really cool. Hmm. Did you did you find it? Because it, I, I was doing the same thing. I don't. I do see one now. But. Um, yeah, I I found one. I if you can tell me how to share a, a screenshot or something, I would certainly uh, put it up there for the video people. Okay, to see, can can you? It's kind of small, but you can see the get the general idea right now. I'm sharing the screen oh, there. Hold on, I. Uh, you gotta you gotta let me talk. Let me ramble on and kind of see the picture there, and it's, it's that's a picture of what I'm talking about anyway. Sorry, hold on. Uh, yeah, it's similar to that. Um, what I'm looking at right now looks more like a traditional pipe um, in appearance, though it has, uh, though it does have the the tube, the separate tube. It's just it looks like the shaft that that tube comes out of would be a stem of a typical pipe. Um, although this could never be smoked like a typical pipe, uh, it just has more of an appearance of one. Yeah, these were made for the Bob Cratchits of the world that had to slave away at a desk all day and wanted to be able to have a pipe that didn't get in their line of sight looking at the books. Bob Cratchit. would not have expected that. That's good. Huh. Anyway, uh, we probably should start wrapping this up. We're at the two-hour mark. Man, I just cannot believe it. Every week it comes and goes so quickly. Well, hopefully the listeners enjoy it as much as... Uh, uh, as much as I do, and hopefully as much as you do. Yeah. It's uh, been yeah. another darn good show. Yeah, it's been fun for me anyway. Well, I uh, I needed tonight's show. I appreciate you uh, bringing a little extra effort and oomph to it, and uh, especially a great cigar. So thanks, my man. No problem. Glad to share the time. Mm. Well, this uh, I have set down this short run, but um, I have to say I thought the uh, the most unique third, or the most enjoyable third to it was the second third. Um, the middle of the scar where it seemed as if almost every other puff was a different flavor. Um, it still had in the beginning a little bit of that, that bright, sweet fruitiness, and it transitioned by the end of the second third and the beginning of the third, the final third, to um, really such a, a beautiful, deep, dark, rich, stewy, fruity, raisiny flavor. Um, really a, a splendid example of uh, uh, of skilled blending. I really have enjoyed it, and uh, as I said, I would I would strongly consider <laughs> getting rid of some of the cigars in my humidor to make room for these. <laughs> I, I'm, like I said, been a fan since they came out, still a fan, and I'm down to about this much left of this one, and, and, and it's done. It's It's Gotten a little hot uh, for my taste, but been an extremely enjoyable cigar once again. Well, because we smoked the short run this week, next week's cigar is uh, <clears throat> going to be the unbanded that we had hoped to smoke this week. So, Yeah, it turns out I am the culprit for the missing cigars. Uh, but uh, I don't think you can take all the blame. I uh, I probably should have made mention of that. Uh, sooner and more repeatedly, no doubt. So, 
You know, that that repeatedly thing. If you ask my wife, I have to be told everything several times. Oh, well, she should have told me that. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so wrapping this thing up, we uh, again, we got Michael Stewart on next week talking about uh, his process for rolling his own cigars. And uh, we have had the, the fortune of being able to try one or two of those so far and have a few more to go. Uh, really looking forward to those uh the dark-fired ones in particular, once they've uh, rested, rested appropriately. Um, but uh, if you uh, get a chance and would like to get in on this giveaway, we don't have just a whole ton of entries. There's maybe 20, 25, I think. Um, and send us an email. It's all you got to do. And I have actually had two people now that sent an email doing exactly what I said, send in <laughs> comments, <laughs> Comments, compliments, complaints, or whatever, and and both of them copied and pasted my comment and emailed that to me. I, I love that. They are in there. They have the same chance as everybody else. So that, that, that literally is all it takes. But, hey, if you have a valuable contribution, we would be more than happy to, to, to get it. Uh, you can uh, get those emails to us either to kip at thecigarmy.com or craig at thecigarmy.com. And uh, we'll get those and get them in the drawing. And uh, as always, you can find the video from the show at uh, at CigarFederation.com. Uh, it'll be under the video section. You can get to it across the top even uh, on the menu bar. There's a drop-down for shows. And, and just click on the half-assed archive and get all the old shows. Uh, it's on the, the YouTube channel. You can get a... Uh, archive on the cigarmy.com as well and i post up a, a show summary every week when we put it up and the show summary will also include the audio download uh, it seems the the vast majority of everybody out there in listener land uh, are listeners rather than viewers so that that's always available to you and uh, uh i don't know what else we got anything well, I'd really just love to uh, tease a little bit about next week's show that Michael's coming on. He's coming on to talk about his cigars. He's coming on to talk about his uh, his methods, but he's also coming on to uh, reveal a bit of, of interesting news and things that um, you as the listener, you as the interested party, um, are, are going to be interested in. I think he's going to be sharing some... Uh, Potentially sharing some ways for you to try some of this uh, uh, tobacco that he's bringing in the country and rolling himself and blending himself and uh, probably even some of uh, the ways that you can perhaps do it yourself. So tune in. It's it's going to be a really different show for us, I think. We'll f follow our same format, but um, I think we're going to be talking about an awful lot uh, of things that are going to make Kip and I geek out a little bit. It's such a, it's going to be such a fun experience. So it'll be a good one. And who knows, it might just uh, reveal a little bit of information that could put a few cigars in your pocket. You never know. Yep. So, well, thanks my man. I've had a good time with you this week as always. Uh, any, uh, any other comments, questions, anything that uh, you want to share before I close this out? No, not at all. Uh, wrap us up. Well, as always, ladies and gents, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, thanks for participating, thanks for sending those emails, and uh, uh, we look forward to all of it every week. Really do. Friday nights are a blast. It's what gets us through the week. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for uh, giving us the inspiration to continue on with the show. Hope you like it. Hope you enjoy it. If you do, send us a note. 
feel free to drop us a line, say whatever you want. I uh, I won't threaten you with uh, uh, mass humiliation like Kip will if you send something that's negative. We love constructive criticism. It helps make the show better. So uh, send something along. We'd love to uh, love to talk to our listeners. Just remind you again. So thank and you, I'll, everybody. Oh, uh, go ahead. I will throw in there a big thanks. Uh, seeing as how it is Memorial Day, a big thanks to all the uh, service people out there that uh, served today and in the past and have uh, made the sacrifice that provides the lifestyle I enjoy so much every day. Yeah, I uh, you took the words right out of my mouth, and I was going to kind of finish it up by uh, sharing a brief story that you know I today the last two days I've really been struggling with some tough life decisions and some things going on, and uh, when you sit back, relax, uh, kick around some ideas and some crazy thoughts with a friend of yours, be it a thousand miles away over the internet or not, you uh, you get an interesting perspective, and when you think about the fact that um, I, I, I'm uh, contemplating things uh, <laughs> such as they are. You, you realize, well, wait a second. You know, maybe those things that I'm contemplating aren't as big of a deal, or aren't as important as what a lot of other people have to deal with on a regular basis. Uh, namely, uh, especially over this weekend, but most certainly over every other day of the year, um, those of you and those of us who have given their lives so that way I can worry about something as mundane as a as a silly work problem. So um, personal thank you for me, personal dedication from both of us. This show goes out to uh, all of those who have made it so that way we can do this wonderful thing that we call uh, podcasting. It's such a silly thing, but such a wonderful uh, right. So thank you to you. And to all the rest of you, we look forward to having you tune in next week and every week after that. Good night, everybody. Have a great one. 